If you're not doing things that you can do better at most, you're sitting in average land. From Smashing the Plateau, I'm David Schreiner-Khan with Going Solo. In this show, we discuss building your own successful business after a long career as an employed professional. Today on episode 131 of Going Solo, I'm speaking with career satisfaction designer Lucia Knight. Lucia spent 20 years in the world of corporate headhunting in the UK and Australia before embarking on her quest to design work that would be much more satisfying. If you've ever felt stuck in your career and you don't want to be just average, you want to listen to my conversation with Lucia. Stay with us to hear all the details. One of the key ingredients to a satisfying career is financial success. Inside the Smashed in the Plateau community, we provide the kinds of tools and resources you need to support your business success, as well as access to experts, answers to your burning questions, and the camaraderie of supportive, collaborative colleagues. Check out the Smashing the Plateau community so that you can build a successful consulting business on your own terms, doing what you love and getting paid what you're worth. Learn more at smashingtheplateau.com slash community. That's smashingtheplateau.com slash community. Now let's welcome Lucia Knight. Lucia is a midlife career satisfaction researcher and designer. She spent 20 years in the world of corporate headhunting in the UK and Australia before embarking on her quest to design work that would be much more satisfying. After diving headlong into a master's in psychology in her early 40s, she designed a personal research project to interview 100 midlifers who changed careers and felt happier because of their changes. She then wrote a book on the secrets she discovered. Her career consultancy is called Midlife Unstuck. She now helps midlife professionals who feel stuck doing work that isn't fully satisfying to design work that is. Lucia, welcome to the show. I'm delighted to be here. Really looking forward to this. So clearly you have learned a lot from all of your interviews and your research. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we share some commonality in terms of the topics that we deal with, you and I. What have you found to be some of the characteristics that cause high-achieving professionals to feel so stuck in mid-career? Because these are people that are generally well-educated, they work hard, they've done well, and yet from the outside, it would seem to other people that they're very successful, they're doing well, and that you, what you posit um, sounds like from your, your bio is that they don't feel so successful. Absolutely and totally. And may I tell you a very small personal story on how that's, that's very related to what you've said. So I was one of those people, as, as I believe you are. So successful in all definitions, you know, nice house, good job, senior, managed people, lifestyle that I wanted, but something was missing. And when that's just a tiny little annoying itch, that's fine. We can deal with that. But over years, I describe it as a, a slowly dripping tap of career dissatisfaction. So that can grow a little bit and then the itch has to be scratched. And most people that you're talking about find a new job, change companies, 
maybe get a promotion or a sideways move or do something to scratch that itch. But if that itch continues for longer and longer and longer, it grows to a stage where a small movement isn't enough. Now, that small movement isn't enough can be a personal decision, as mine was, to say, I cannot do this work that I've been doing for the last 20 years for another decade, another five years, even another two years just seemed impossible. And that was my tipping point. At that point, I thought, and I know my clients and the people you're talking about hit some form of tipping point where either they run towards something that has the potential to be better or they absolutely run away from where they are at the moment. And that's what I did. Not desperately proud of it, but I escaped like a running wild horse from a career that had been dissatisfying for two to three years. So the results of some of that um, feeling stuck is unacceptable levels of stress, unacceptable low feelings. Some people call that depression. Unacceptable imbalance between work and life. So work takes up the biggest chunk of your waking hours. You know, even in normal working days, you know that we work 60%. The average person in a professional field works 60% at least of their waking hours. And if those 60% are under-satisfying or over-stressful or under-fulfilling, something has to be done, Yeah, depending on the degree of those. Lucia, what was your career in before you left employment? Um, so I was a corporate headhunter. So I worked with transforming businesses to seek out uh, and select their best new board member, typically CFOs. And I did that all over the UK and the US. And I did it 19 and a half years <laughs> before I decided things had to change. And what did you do immediately after? Okay, so I was in escape mode with not a great plan. And I never advise any clients to do this. So I ran straight into what I thought would be a lovely easy path where I went straight back to university and studied a master's in psychology. It nearly broke me as a human. So I stopped earning, lost the salary, the bonuses, the benefits, etc. I knew it was short term, but going back to university at 43-ish or so was a mind-blowing experience. So libraries had become global since I went to university. I was doing a psychology course with lots of 25-year-olds. Learning was hard because I hadn't learned anything new in seven, eight, nine decades, probably. And so that's what I did. So at the end of that 18 months, I was knee-walkingly exhausted and woke up one day and said, I've just wasted 18 months because I am no further forward. I know nothing more about what I want to do with my future. And that's when my real research into careers and midlife and work happiness, all of that began then towards the end of my time doing the university, um, going back to university. So at that point, I then realised I still did not know one human who was a professional who had changed careers quite radically and was happier for it. I knew two people who changed careers 
and were much less fulfilled, much less happy, and much more stressed. So I was the only human. People used to say to me, oh, you're so brave. And I felt brave until I felt really stupid. So I had wasted so much money and ended up exactly the same place. Uh, I was tired. I was less of a wife. I was less of a mum. I was less of everything. And then I knew that I was going to spend the rest of my working life helping people to not do what I did and to do it much, much better. And so that's when I went on my quest to find a hundred people. I can be a little ambitious sometimes and my friends all laughed at me, but (laughs) I went on a quest because I knew no one to find a hundred people over the age of 40. That's what I describe as broadly midlife, who had changed careers and described themselves as happier because of that change. And it took me ages to find one ages to find a second one. And I went through every network I could ever find and still it was really slow. But by the time I had find six or seven, something around that number, I knew there were millions. I just knew it. And so I continued to interview because that's the goal and I like to achieve goals. So a hundred people later, I could see patterns. I could see what not to do. I could see different kinds of happiness. And I, one of my One of the things I do very well is understand patterns and link them together. I have a very sort of scientific, researchy kind of brain. So I started to figure out in an Excel spreadsheet which of these patterns work, which of these patterns could work for everybody, and then to test them in my ongoing interviews. So not to labour the research, but that, that was a much, much better way to change career than going back to school. So how long did it take you to do the research? I think probably in total six months, but once I'd met 15 or 20, I then knew, ah, I I know what's needed here. I needed to find the absolute evidence, but I knew that I could start to create programs for people. I could start to create the basics and I could start to test the program. So I was doing that at the same time. And did you test that in your own business? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. So I knew... I knew once I'd had six or seven people, I knew this was a business. I knew it was a business. I knew it was a gap in the market. And I knew that in the States, there were more people who were doing just broadly career consulting. And it was seven years ago, uh, very unusual to do any sort of clever career consulting. And no one, so I decided to call my business Midlife Unstuck. And at that point, every professional I spoke to just getting some ideas and gauging opinions. What do you think of this as a business I, a business name? And everybody said, don't use the word midlife. And because at that point, what came directly after midlife, the only word that came directly after midlife was crisis. Yeah. And so they felt I was focusing on midlife crisis. And in many ways, I am. I think the midlife, the modern midlife crisis is incredibly focused around careers. So I sort of dived into a market for where- For professionals, midlife, that's certainly true. Yes. I would agree. Yes. For professionals, absolutely for pe- professionals. And that was the market I knew. It was the market that was most similar to me. And it was the market that I wanted to focus on. So I had decided that the tr- super problem in the world that I really wanted to focus on was helping that midlife professional market design or redesign their careers differently. Sometimes small tweaks and sometimes- big changes like going into their own consultancy business or their own coaching business. 
or, or any other. I mean, so many options. You know, some of them became bread makers, gin makers, all, all sorts of things. But but it is very natural what we are talking about today to take the skills that you've learned over 20 something years and to repackage them to solve a different problem. And that's exactly what I did. And it's exactly what I help clients to do. Are there some basic steps that people should take if they want to do this successfully? Yes. So I came up with this really simple formula for a lifetime of satisfying work. So imagine a Venn diagram, so three circles. So the first is using your superpowers daily. I'll say the whole thing and maybe come back and talk about using your superpowers daily. The second circle is pointing your superpowers at a super problem for others that interests you greatly. And the third one is make money from it. Yeah, so the commercial, yeah. So by superpowers, I mean, and this is a central tenet of all the work I do. I believe everyone in the world has a range of superpowers. And by superpowers, I mean the things that you uniquely do better than most people around you. The things that the activities, when you do them, they energize you. So you could do them all day and have more energy at the end of the day. The activities that get you into flow, everybody sort of understands the flow concept. The things that you cannot stop doing. Okay. And these go all the way, usually from childhood through to professional career, and they are peppered everywhere. So that's, that's part one. Yeah. You have to, have to include those into your work to just to feel deeply satisfied every day. The second part is, and this is equally as important, but one can't happen without the other. Super problems for others that are desperately interesting to you. By that, I mean, a tiny problem in the world that you think your superpowers can assist in solving and that you could get your teeth into that for years and never have exhausted your interest in it. Yeah. And I don't mean giant things like deforestation. Yeah. I mean, small, nuggety, detailed. So the who, the what, the when, the where, the how, really detailed problems that you get excited about. And then the final bit is how do you package that up in a way that solves the problem by using your superpowers? Does the packaging always require being self-employed? No, no, not at all. Not at all. And I think okay. that's the magic in it. It doesn't need, the packaging could start off in your current environment and evolve into a consulting environment, or it could trial, you know, some of my clients have trialed the consulting arena and didn't love it so much. And one of their clients loved what they did so much, they employed them. Yeah. So, so actually the, the commercializing bit can be more flexible than most people imagine. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's good to know. Yeah. Do you have one client or five clients or that can be really flexible and negotiable and change as you change or your lifestyle goals change, or it could be five days a week. It could be one day a week. It could, you know, it could be whatever your lifestyle goals require you to do. Lucia, how can someone know whether consulting and you know, being self-employed is, is actually a good option if you've never done it, if you, right? If you've always been an employee. Okay. So I think apart from doing it, yeah. So, so I don't recommend a massive leap of faith. This is going to be of no surprise to you based on what I've just said to you. I think you need to interview lots of people who have done it already to A, learn from them, and, and, you know, this isn't impossible. You could listen to every one of your podcasts <laughs> and you would have 
almost interviewed those people, wouldn't you? So there's a research piece that can be done from your bedroom or office or living room, as long as it's really active research. How does that, what, how does what I've learned from that podcast impact me? Could I do that? You know, one of the podcasts I've listened to of yours said you have to, it was a really recent one and it was, uh, I'm not going to remember her name, I'm sorry, but she said you've got to, as a consultant, allocate 30% of your time to marketing and I completely agree with that. So if as an individual, you can't imagine putting yourself out there and you're not prepared to learn how to put yourself out there to market yourself differently, then it's not going to be right for you. Um, So I think there are ways to learn before you experiment and try. Mm. Are there stories from your research of people that have done a really great job of going from longtime employee in a significant position to a consulting business in the same field where they've taken control over their life? They feel much happier and they're making enough money. Yes. Because the piece that a lot of people don't talk about is making enough money. Okay. Agree. N- not many people talk about it. And, and okay, so let me give you an example of John. Um, and I'm not going to tell you how much he earns. Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter because it's also personal, isn't it? Okay. So let's go back to that. Um, his superpower, one of his superpowers was making things that do not exist yet to solve problems, okay? So when he was a child, he was using this superpower in creating amazing Lego. Uh, Not Lego from packages or models, Lego that didn't exist. And he would make the rebuild and rebuild and rebuild until these were state-of-the-art tractors, yeah? So his career went in the same direction. So the superpowers he he uses and used was pointed at creating, inventing, and designing medical products, yeah? So prosthetics and things that helped aid physical issues, yeah? So he did that for so long in a corporate environment. And we figured out that his kryptonite was all the corporate nonsense. And the piece of the project of getting a a new product to market, he was only interested in the first 20% of it, because that's the bit that used his superpowers, energize him. Everything else drained him. So what he did was set up a consulting business that only focused on that first 20%. And his skills were incredibly valuable. Everybody wanted him to do everything, but he decided no. So his incre- those skills he did better than anybody he knew. And so he got paid a fortune to do just those for multiple clients. He chose his lifestyle. He works for six months at a time, has breaks, and, but because he's using his superpowers, you can get paid an awful lot more to use your superpowers with zero energy drain than you can for working in your kryptonite, obviously, the opposite of, of your superpowers. So that's one example. And by the way, one of the, one of the characteristics that you just described is the power of focusing on a very narrow niche and saying no to what seems like an opportunity, but is probably not the best fit. So, oh, thank you for noticing that because the saying no is is a skill that not many people who start their first consulting business know how to do because they are so focused on earning enough that they say yes to everything. But because they say yes to everything, they have to do that work that drains the life out of them, which means they don't have the energy to do 
the most exciting part of that work that is in their superpowers as best as they can. So the knock-on impact is that you don't, people don't see you at your best enough to pay you highly for it. So if you say no, they see you at their best and only at your best, they pay what is required for that. And I think that's such a critical problem and critical opportunity for people moving into business to say no and be clear about what you want to say yes to. It's tricky and it's hard in the beginning. I won't I won't deny that. I did that myself. Maybe you did it. I don't know. Most people do it wrong, but you have to learn that really quickly. Otherwise, you're stuck being average. And when we're in consulting businesses, average is very dangerous. <laughs> Do you agree? <laughs> oh, yes, I love that. <laughs> we, we're too old to learn new stuff. We cannot get paid what we are worth if we perform on an average basis. So it, it's a no-brainer. Yeah, there are reasons why, why companies want to hire consultants rather than hiring employees. It's for the, the high specialization. High specialization. Right, and the things that, that will cost a lot of money over a short period of time. Yeah that you can do better than most. And if if you're not doing things that you can do better at most, you're sitting in average land. Lucia, in your business now, who's your ideal client? My ideal client is uh, male or female. I have a lovely 50-50 split who is at a midpoint in their career. So typically that's 40s to 50s in terms of age profile, who have done the same thing and that by that I mean in the same industry or the same functional speciality for 15 plus years and who are fairly sure they don't want to do that for the next 15 plus year, but they don't know what they want to do. And how do you work with them? So there's a few ways to do it. So on a one-on-one basis, I work through that Venn diagram. Yeah. What are your superpowers? What super problem do you want to fix? And how do we package it up so that you can go off into the world and experiment? But I realized that on a one-to-one basis, and this will be the same for many of the other people you speak to, on a one-to-one basis, your time is limited. You're exchanging money for time and there's only so many working hours in the day. So I then worked with my book publishers to create an online career redesign program called Weirdly, the Fierce Emporium. So I described the work that we've talked about, the great work, this deeply fulfilling, satisfying, enjoyable, paid well work. I described that as fierce work. So I designed the Fierce Emporium with some amazing designers who are the best at what they do to create a world that was described as the Hogwarts of career career change, which I just, so you step into this quite magical world and you pull apart all of the pieces of your career and you put it back in a different way. So that's that's how I do that uh, on an online basis. Wow, it sounds great. Is there anything that I haven't asked you that you'd like to share? That's a good question. No, I think I think you're doing, I think you're asking great questions. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll tell you what, what's, uh, here's a question I'd love you to ask. <laughs> what's something someone can do in the next 10 minutes that will make them more likely to change career? Ah, that's a great question. So so what's the answer? (laughs) So the answer is do anything different. Yeah, by that I mean, if you're sitting down having a coffee, listen to this, change your coffee into the left hand or the opposite hand. I mean, stand up, sit down three times. I mean, pick up your pen and write with your left hand. I mean, wink three times before you speak. I mean, anything different. One of the major blockers 
to change in the people I work with is that they have not changed much in the last five plus years, sometimes 10, sometimes more. And so change, I don't believe in leaps of faith. Change happens right now in the next minute. So changing how you do anything right now and then doing more of that every single day will give your brain the evidence it needs that change is not dangerous and that change, in fact, can be positive, fun, silly, enjoyable. I love that. Lucia, if somebody wants to go deeper with anything we've discussed today, access any of the resources you have, um, check out your program, etc., where would be the best place for them to go? At my website, which is midlifeunstuck.com. Sounds great. Um, Lucia, I want to thank you so much for a really lively conversation about how you can get unstuck when you're in midlife and create a much happier future. My guest today has been career satisfaction designer, Lucia Knight. Thank you again, Lucia, for joining us. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you for having me. When you visit the Going Solo website, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mentioned on the show. In today's episode, Lucia makes the connection between financial success and career satisfaction. Inside the Smashing the Plateau community, we provide the kinds of tools and resources you need to support your business success, as well as access to experts, answers to your burning questions, and the camaraderie of supportive collaborative colleagues. Check out the Smashing the Plateau community so that you can build a successful consulting business on your own terms, doing what you love and getting paid what you're worth. Learn more at smashingtheplateau.com slash community. That's smashingtheplateau.com slash community. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.